if this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community. Thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Well, good morning once again. Okay, we'll try that one more time. Good morning once again. All right, let's open our Bibles to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, that's where we're going to be studying from this morning together. Let me ask you by a show of hands, how many of you have a nickname? Just a few of you? No, I know better than that. How many of you at least at some point in your life have been given a nickname? How many of you have been given a nickname that you weren't really that proud of? A couple of you? Okay. Uh, nicknames are, are an interesting thing. I've had nicknames in my life. Um, a couple that come to mind, uh, the first is the nickname Butterfinger, Butterfinger. Uh, when I was a uh, freshman in high school, I was, I was on the drum line, I was a snare drum player, and in the percussion feature that year, we had a section where we did uh, the, stick toss, the stick toss routine while we were playing, and even though today I can still play that with my eyes shut, throwing my sticks up in the air and everything, when we first tried to learn it, I had the habit of sending sticks across the band room, and the guy standing next to me got real nervous when we got to that section. And so I, I received the nickname Butterfingers because I could not hold on to my sticks during that part of, of practice. The, the, and, that, and that stuck for the whole year. It got put on my, my drum cage in the, in the percussion room. It got put on a T-shirt uh, that we had made that year. So it kind of stuck and was kind of my nickname for the year. Uh, another nickname that I had that I, I don't know where it came from, I don't know why this guy started calling me this, but one of our youth advisors decided to call me Bodine on a youth retreat one weekend, and he called me that all weekend long, and before I knew it, all the adults started calling me Bodine. It has nothing to do with my name, nothing to do with what was going on, you know, during uh, the retreat or anything, but it just kind of stuck. And so 
for about the next year. That just kind of became my nickname amongst the adults in the youth group. If you go a little bit um, closer to home with my actual name, my name is Matthew. My name is Matthew. Uh, that's the name that my mom and my dad gave me. My brother's name is Joshua. My sister's name is Caitlin. For, for whatever reason, they've decided to shorten their names. They go by Josh and Kate now. And one day I was on the phone with my dad. It was the first person that did it. And he goes, hey, Matt, have you talked to Josh today? I said, who's Matt? And he goes, well, you? And I said, no, my name's Matthew. And I was like, if Joshua and Caitlin want to shorten their names, that's fine. But I like my name. And, and there are some people that, that call me Matt that for some reason that they just think that, hey, his name's Matthew, we're going to call him Matt. I like my name. I'm not going to say that if you call me Matt, we're not going to be friends, you know. Um, but I like my name. My name is Matthew. It's important to me. It's special to me. It is my identity and as you think about your name and think about what it means to you, it is who you are. And as we continue in this series of lessons of God is, it's important for us to try to grasp and wrap our mind around the idea of who God is. I think for a lot of people in many different situations in our life, we like to put God in a box. We like to put God in a box because boxes have parameters, and I like this part about God, and I like this part about God, and I understand this part about God, so I'm going to put all this in a box, and I'm going to Put it up on a shelf because I understand it and it makes sense to me. We like for things to make sense. But as we study the names of God, we get to a deeper place in our relationship. We get to a more intimate place in our relationship with our Father. And today, just like my name is Matthew, God is going to show up to Moses and say, this is my name. The majority of the names that are given throughout Scripture to God or names that someone gives to Him, if you will, because of a situation or an instance that comes up. But in Exodus chapter 3, God introduces Himself to Moses as Yahweh. And He uses this name again in uh, Isaiah 43. As a matter of times, this name uh, Yahweh, or in the, Greek, the Hebrew name, in the Greek it's Jehovah, uh, both names that we're familiar with, these two names are used in Scripture nearly 7,000 times. And most of those times, most of those times are God saying, I am Yahweh or I am Jehovah. In your Bibles, it is indicated by all caps, the word Lord, L-O-R-D, all in capital letters, is when this name, Yahweh or Jehovah, is used. We're going to talk about it from, from the idea of Yahweh today. In the Hebrew, this word simply means to be or to live. God says this. He says, I am that I am. I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. He, Jesus, or rather God, Yahweh, He is. And that's who we're going to meet today. As He calls Himself in Isaiah 42 and verse 8, He says, I am Yahweh. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise be given to graven images. So as we open up to the book of Exodus, let's kind of set the stage. Moses, as we see in verse 1 here, that we just read, Moses is in the wilderness on the backside of the desert, on the backside of a mountain, doing what? 
being real productive in life, right? He went from being a prince of Egypt to now he's a simple shepherd for his father-in-law, just wandering around trying to take care of these sheep. He's been doing this for 40 years. Now, I want you just to kind of put yourself in Moses' place because I believe a lot of us can do that. I believe a lot of us at times in our life find ourselves just wondering, that at one point we thought we had a purpose. At one point we thought we understood what we were supposed to be doing. Moses had this idea in his head that he was going to be the man that delivered God's people, the Israelites, out of Egypt, out of bondage. And, and he, he, he starts to do that, and he ends up killing an Egyptian, and then he goes to break up a fight between uh, two of his own Israelite brothers, and they look in and they go, hey, are you going to kill one of us like you did that Egyptian? And he gets scared. Moses was going to lead his people, but he, was, he had this idea that he was going to do it all by himself, and he was going to do it by force. That wasn't God's plan, but he was scared, so he runs. He runs away. He flees to Midian, and in, and in the story, you see him sitting by a well, and um, Jethro's daughters come up to him, and, and, and some guys are, are, are kind of picking at them, and he runs them off. They go back, and they said, hey, this Egyptian, this Egyptian saved us. Let me ask you a question. Was Moses an Egyptian? This is yes, this is no. Was Moses an Egyptian? No. Moses was an Israelite. Moses was a Jew. Moses looked like an Egyptian, though. Why? Because he'd been raised in the palace. Everything about his outward appearance and the way he acted, the way he talked, the way he had been educated was Egyptian. And now he's spending 40 years wandering around because he doesn't know who he is. He's not Egyptian anymore. He's not with God's people anymore. And during this time, Yahweh decides to come to him and introduce himself to him in a very, very personal way. And so I want you to know this morning that if you're wondering, if you're like Moses and you're trying to figure out where and what is going on in your life, God wants to introduce himself to you. And he wants you to get to know him. And, and so what we're going to do is we're going to look at six kind of personality traits of Yahweh from this story. There's six points, but I promise it's not going to be very long points, just six kind of bullet points to get you into a place of understanding here. So let's begin to say this, Yahweh is personal. Let's go back and read the first section that we just looked at a few moments ago. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There an angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. I'm going to stop right there and just give you an interjection here. This is just Matthew's thought. Moses is southern. Moses got a little bit of redneck in him right here. He sees something going on over there. He can't quite describe it. And what does he say? Let's go see what's happening. You know, most reasonable people stay away from unpredictable situations. Not Moses. Moses says, I'm going to go see what's up. This isn't right. This isn't normal. It's a good thing he did. Because when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. I want you to know this morning that Yahweh is personal. Yahweh is personal. Moses has been wandering around for 40 years, 
And he doesn't realize it, but God's been working with him in his life. God's been preparing him for another very distinct 40 years that he's going to have to serve and lead in the wilderness. But you can look at this story and you could ask, why does God all of a sudden show up here? Why does God all of a show up, all of a sudden kind of show up out of the middle of nowhere? Now, to us, there's not, maybe in our mind, there's not a whole lot of time that passes from the end of Genesis to the end of Exodus. But the people of Israel had been in captivity for a few hundred years, okay? So from the end of Genesis to Exodus, there's a, there's a break in time, and it's kind of like, where has God been? Why does he all of a sudden show up right here? Uh, uh, you know, at least 40 years after Moses decides to do something for God and he fails, why here, why now? Well, I think a few different reasons. I think he had been preparing Moses. He had been preparing Israel. He had been preparing Pharaoh, for the exodus. He had been allowing things to line up and become the situation that he needed to show up into so that he could be the most effective as God. And I think he used this time to humble Moses and to teach him how to truly trust in God alone. And then I also think, I also think that he had to allow Moses to get rid of all the Egypt, all the Egyptian in him. He needed him to forget what it meant to be an Egyptian and remember what it meant to be a follower of God. So after 40 years, God says, now's the time. Now's the moment. This is the moment that I've been waiting for. You know, God could have handled this situation in a lot of different ways, but he decides to do it in a very personal way. And I'm thankful that God calls us in a specific way when he's ready for us to respond. When God believes that you're ready to fulfill his mission, to fulfill his goal, to fulfill his calling, when he thinks you're ready, that's when he's going to come knocking on your door. That's when you're going to have that moment where you go, hey, something, something seems different. I feel an urging to go over here and see what's going on. And that's when God's going to call out and try to share with you his purpose. God often orchestrates situations in our life to bring us to a place where he can speak to us and where he can show us his glory. He likes to get personal with us when we're ready for that personal contact. So Yahweh is personal. The next thing I want you to see here is Yahweh is particular. Let's go on and read verses 5 and 6. Do not come any closer. He's already said, hey God, here I am. He says, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Yahweh is particular because he is holy. As a matter of fact, Scripture says that he is not only holy, but he is holy, 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 holy to the most infinite degree. And as Moses comes close, before he can get too familiar with God, before he can get too comfortable with the situation that's laying out in front of him, God stops him and makes a request and says, you need to remove your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. I believe that there is a plethora of spiritual implications that we can make in this moment. But the one that sticks out to me is if you want to step into God's presence, and discover His will, and discover His holiness, then you have to step out of your comfort zone and into His care. You have to step away from your humanity so that you can dwell in His holiness. Now, it's amazing to me 
A lot of times we think we have something to offer to God. Some people think that their way is better than his way. But somewhere along the way, God has to humble us and instill in us a sense of holy awe, a sense of reverence, and a sense of humility because he is a very particular God. Let's keep going. Verses 7 through 9, we see that he is present. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So he's present. One of the most difficult concepts in Scripture to grasp sometimes is how God is faithful even when we are faithless. Let that sink in for a second. That God is faithful even when we are faithless. A lot of times we find ourselves like the Israelites, stuck in this Egyptian um, encampment, if you will, to the point that they had been part of Egypt's fabric for so long. And you see this in Moses, that maybe they quit thinking like Israelites and began to think and live more like Egyptians. As a matter of fact, as they're standing under the mountain, the presence of God is in front of them on top of the mountain as the exodus begins. And all they can think about is how good they had it as slaves, how they had food and this and that, and how great it was to be in Egypt. I believe that they had gotten to a point where they enjoyed the life of the Egyptians so much and the culture that they had created of their own that was maybe a hybrid Yahweh God and Egyptian culture within their slavery that it caused them to forget who God really was. But God allowed them to be oppressed so that they would cry out and they would reach out to their covenant God and that they would be reminded of who they needed to lean on. See, God was faithful even in their unfaithfulness. God knows what's going on in every detail of your life. Whatever's happening, wherever you are, however desperate you might be, God understands. God knows. God is present. God knew as long as the Israelites loved Egypt, they would never love him. Thus he allowed the penalty of their sins to bring them to a place of misery and desperation so that they would turn back to him. And sometimes God allows the circumstances in our lives to do the same thing, to bring us to the end of our road, to bring us to the point to where we're broken so that, as Jesus says, we can be poor in spirit and mourn and look to the relationship of a present God in our life. So Yahweh is present. Maybe my favorite verse in the whole story. So God's just done something very interesting to me here. In verses 7 through 9, God basically has this big heart to heart with Moses. Okay, he, he, is, he is open. You might say he's vulnerable. He's sharing 
his, his intimate feelings about the people of Israel. He's, he's sharing his thought process. And I can see Moses just sitting there going, yeah, that's great, God. God's talking to me about how, how he loves his people and how he's going to do something for them. And, and, and he's, hear, he's heard their cries. And, and this is, yeah, God, that's a good idea, God. That's a good idea. Okay, yeah, we're going to save the people of Israel. That's great. Then you get to verse 10. So now I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Egypt. And now all of a sudden Moses is speechless. You ever had that moment in your life? It seems like everything's great, good, wonderful. And then you realize you're going to have some responsibility in all this, and you're like, oh, wait, no, no, let's, let's back up, back up. Moses had this moment where he's like, God, you may have a purpose, but I'm not part of it. Matter of fact, later on in the story, he's going to look at God. He's going to go, God, I can't, I can't talk. I have this speech problem. And God goes, who put your tongue in your mouth? I gave you your speech. You don't have an excuse that I can't overcome. You don't have an excuse that I can't overcome. I want you to understand that God's purpose is the most important purpose. God's calling is specific, and it is always centered around the idea of the redemption of his people, the saving of those who is lost, and the edification of his church. And God never acts on our own timetable. God is in the business of redeeming, but it's going to be done in his time and in his way, which means there's no greater calling in life than the calling of God himself. There's no relationship that's more important. There's no job that's more important. There's no church that's more important. I say that because it's possible for us to do church, but never do it for the purpose of God. We can do it for our own selfish reasons. We can do it for our own selfish desires. But none of those things are as important as the actual mission of Christ. And that's what He's called me to. That's what He's called you to, is to serve His purpose. And if you're in a relationship that that relationship is not centered around the idea of pushing his kingdom further. If you're in a job and when you're at work, your only purpose is your job and not furthering the kingdom. If you're at school and your only purpose at school is to make good grades and not further the kingdom, you need to be looking at everything in your life through the lens of Yahweh's purpose. Of Yahweh's purpose. Not your own. Not how is this going to affect me. Not what difference is this going to make in my life, but what difference am I making in the kingdom? Am I serving the purpose of God? That needs to be what our life is about because God has a purpose and he wants us to be part of it. Here's the next thing. God is patient. Yahweh is patient. And, and how great, how great, verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you when you have brought the people of Egypt, when you've brought, the, brought out of Egypt, I'm sorry, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Like I said, Moses is going to start coming up with a lot of excuses. And God's going to keep coming up with answers. 
But one of the things that I love about Yahweh in this point is that Yahweh is patient. God knows that His ways are greater than our ways. And when His ways are greater than our ways, then He also knows that sometimes there's going to be moments where it's going to take us some time to comprehend what God really wants to do. It's going to take us some time to understand God's will. It's going to take us some time to put really into perspective what God's trying to do and see the pieces lay into place where they go and how they're supposed to be. And we're going to kind of be thinking, well, God, am I, am I doing it right? Do you really want me? To? And God is patient with us and gives us time to figure it out. And I love that about God. But even though... Even though that I may try to come up with an excuse of why I can't do what God wants me to do, he's going to give me time to figure it out. He's got to give me time to process it as long as I'm working toward that. Now, God doesn't like it when we sit down in the corner or sit in the pew and cross our arms and go, well, that doesn't make sense. I'm not going to do it. No, we have to be continually moving forward. We have to have that, okay, so what's next mentality that I don't understand this, but I'm going to try to figure out what's next. I'm going to try to figure out how to keep going. I'm going to try to figure out how to push forward. And as I'm pushing forward, God is going to help me understand and help things make sense. God is patient. I want you to remember this statement. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And that may be where you are today. You may think that I don't have anything to give to God. Moses was a shepherd in the desert. Serving God in this capacity was the furthest thing from his mind. I would imagine if you ask him, how are you or how can you serve God, his idea of serving God would have been way, way, way on the other end of the spectrum than what God is calling him to do. He didn't feel qualified. But where had God put him? God had put him in a desert for 40 years taking care of sheep. In a desert, what do you have to look for? You have to look for food and what? Water with sheep. You think those needs are any different with people? God sent him to Boy Scout school so that he could be a leader. And if you ever wonder, am I qualified? Just stop and look around and try to realize what God has been doing in your life. And I think you'll notice that God's been preparing you and training you and being patient with you to get you to the point to where now you can do exactly what God asks. God or Yahweh is patient. Here's the last thing. Yahweh is powerful. Let's look at verses 14 and 15 to wrap up. Actually, let's go back to 13. Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your father has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. I am Yahweh. This is what you were to say to them, I am has sent you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, Yahweh, the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation Yahweh is who He is. He is the Almighty. He is the beginning and He is the end. He is our power. And when He has called us, He supplies us, 
He gives us His name. He gives us His power. He gives us His provision so that we can succeed in His mission and His purpose. But following God ultimately boils down to you. do you believe that He is as powerful as He claims to be? Do you have that trust in Him? Or have you lived so comfortable with Him in a box that you understand that your faith is diminished to the point to where you're not sure if you can follow or not? God was in a box to Moses. Then God showed up, tore the box all to pieces, set it on fire, and gives Moses the ability, the confidence, the power to be the greatest leader that an entire nation had ever seen or would ever see. To this day, the name of Moses to the Jewish people, to the Christian people, carries such power carries such authority, carries so many wonderful things about it. But his story starts in a desert herding sheep. If his story can start there and end as one of the most wonderful leaders that this world has ever known, then your story can be powerful as well. But the question is, do you have faith in Yahweh to allow him to be personal with you? to allow him to show you his purpose and then to use his power to do great things. Let's close with a word of prayer. God, I thank you for today's thoughts. I thank you for being Yahweh, the great I am, the beginning and the end. God, help us to come to know you in a greater way, in a more powerful way. Help us to trust in you to have faith in you, to have belief in you, God, and to use those things to motivate us to step out of our comfort zone and into your holy purpose. Use us, God, to further your kingdom, to further your church, to further your mission. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community.
thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ.